Welcome to St. Alphonsus Wellcast, the podcast where we explore the many facets of health and well-being. This podcast is brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Well-Being and a generous grant from the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to the St. Alphonsus Wellcast. This is Kim Cleveland. I'm the nurse practitioner with St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing Department. And today we are lucky enough to have another guest on so we can continue our brain health series where we're discussing all sorts of facets of brain health, considerations for individuals who themselves or have loved ones who are suffering from mild cognitive impairment or more advanced cognitive impairment. And we are talking about things that can um, increase your likelihood of developing cognitive impairment or dementia, things that can improve your overall risk, how to help your loved ones when they are in this predicament, and so forth. And today we have a PharmD on, Jeremy Crowfoot. He is a pharmacist here at St. Alphonsus Health System, and he has been with us since 2012. Um, He received his education at Idaho State University, and he has done all sorts of wonderful things here at the health system, from working in the intensive care unit to being an embedded pharmacist in the emergency department and starting that program. And now he is part of the geriatrics program where he has been since 2016. Thank you so much for coming on, Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be great. I'm really happy to have this topic because it's one that is so applicable to so many individuals. Um, We're going to be talking about medication that are available over the counter, available to anybody at any retail pharmacy that can either cause confusion or increase confusion in those who already have confusion and as part of their life. So this is a topic that so many people are going to find useful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So what are these medications we need to be worried about? So they fall underneath uh, three categories. So first, sleep medications. Um, second, antihistamines, and then the third, not quite as big of a category, but anti-nausea medication, so like Dramamine. And I'll kind of expand on each one of those and what I mean. But in general, I find that it's kind of a dirty little secret. Like, yes, these are over-the-counter, so people assume that they're safe. Uh, But if you read the very fine print, you will see that they do warn that they can cause confusion and maybe shouldn't be used in older adults, but it's not very well advertised. So almost Everyone I meet with is shocked to learn this. So that's really why I have my job mm-hmm. is to look at the med lists that people are taking and try and eliminate or minimize the drugs that can cause confusion. And oftentimes these over-the-counters get missed because they are not prescribed, so they don't show up on normal drug lists in uh, on people's medication, on their hospital charts and stuff like that. I see. Yeah, that could be definitely challenging for providers as well as for individuals to know that these are concerning medications for them. Yeah. And so um, one thing I want to explain to everyone, um, which might be a little bit unusual, but I find that if people kind of understand the way that they work, then they can kind of understand, oh, this is how it's impacting me. So I want to go through just a little bit of biology, if that's all right. Perfect. I love it. (laughs) So when one neuron in the body wants to talk to another neuron, Essentially, it sends out a little packet of molecules to trigger the other neuron to send a signal on. And so one of the most common um, type of molecules that gets sent out is called acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is used for all sorts of things in the body, like um, completing a thought, contracting a muscle, just telling your body to do all sorts of different things. Um, And so these medications, what they all have in common is that they are all anticholinergic, meaning okay. that they kind of block that transfer of signal from one neuron to the next. Makes sense. Yeah. And so when that happens, the most common side effects are um, dry mouth, 
blurry vision, constipation, urinary retention, which is most common in men in this case, um, but poor balance, and then, of course, confusion. Mm-hmm. And it's all because we're not allowing the neurons to work in the way that they were designed to work. Mm-hmm. And it's not like people are doing this on purpose. They're doing it to help treat a symptom they're struggling with. This is just a bad side effect that comes along with it. Right. Okay. So um, so when we come to like sleep medications, these are things like Unisom. Um, it's also called doxylamine mm-hmm. or Z-Quil or a lot of times, like if you're at Costco, it'll say Kirkland Sleep Aid. Anything that says Sleep Aid probably has one of these medicines in it. Um, or anything that's PM. So if you right. think of like Tylenol PM, mm-hmm. Advil PM, anything with PM probably has these things in it. Mm-hmm. And they all contribute to it. Um, and what we find is when we can get people to take less or stop it altogether, um, they typically do better on the cognitive assessments that we give them, um, meaning that their brain is just working more. Their, their brain is working better. Yeah. And so now they're not as confused as they once were. And there's even some people where their balance improves, but mm-hmm. also maybe they don't have as much dry mouth or maybe they're not as constipated now. So there's other benefits, but the brain health almost always gets better. So, so many adults, including older adults, struggle with sleep. That's such a big concern of so many people. Um, when someone's taking a medication regularly or occasionally for sleep and they're performing poorly on cognitive tests, is it something where they can stop the medication or stop taking it and immediately that will improve? Or will they still notice some residual cognitive impairment um, that maybe is worse than it would be otherwise if they've taken it a few days prior? Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, typically um, these medications, they last for 24, maybe 48 hours in the body. Okay. Um, I mean, if you think about it, people take sleep medications to be able to help sleep at night, right? right? Um, But we do notice what's called a hangover effect. Mm -hmm. And that goes into the next day. And so what we find is a lot of people will feel more groggy throughout the next day, especially in the morning. And they often attribute to they didn't sleep well the night before. So maybe they increase the dose that night and the cycle gets worse. I can see that. (laughs) But if you can end up stopping the medicine, which number one, if you immediately stop it, you probably will have a hard time sleeping that, especially that first night, Mm -hmm. but it will get better over time. Mm -hmm. And there's other things that we can try to improve on. But let's say you can just flat out stop the medicine. Mm Mm-hmm. I would not take a cognitive assessment that day. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes I sense. would give it um, I would give it two to three days. But mm-hmm. by one week, you could definitely see how much that sleep medicine affected your brain health. And depending and really what we see is the ones who are more fragile. Mm-hmm. So the older you are, if you have some cognitive impairment already, different things like that. It seems to have a bigger effect. That makes sense. Being able to stop this medicine. Mm -hmm. For some people, we stop it and they still feel as confused as before. But for most people, it does get better. That makes sense. So maybe using some other mechanisms to improve sleep hygiene or to to help with your sleep might be a better strategy than using one of those over-the-counters. Yes. Sleep is such a huge concern for so many people. Like it is... Probably in the top two or three concerns yeah. that we have to address in our clinic. I think I even mentioned my sleep before we started this podcast. It's so hard. And so it's um, what we like to focus. I mean, I'm. I mean, we're not here to discuss how to fix sleep, right, but right. we do have things that we work on so that we don't need as much medication. But I will say that if someone wants to try something to help with sleep that won't affect your memory as much, it would be melatonin. Okay. And melatonin 
we consider that far and away the safest thing. If you don't need any sleep medication, our goal is to just not have you on any medication. Exactly. Yeah. But if you feel like you need something, I would try melatonin. Okay. Most common dose range is three to five milligrams. If you get to 10 milligrams, it's probably just not going to work for you and it was a good try. Right, right. Melatonin will cause some people to feel more tired even into the next day. Even, I've only come across a very few people, they might feel a little bit confused the next day, in which case I would just reduce the dose of melatonin. But compared to all the other medications for sleep, melatonin is the safest. That makes sense. And again, just wanting to give the caveat for the podcast listeners that we are healthcare providers, but we are not providing medical advice yep. to you. So it is imperative that if you have these concerns that you discuss these with your own provider. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like melatonin is a much safer option in terms of cognitive impairment and, and memory if needed, but of, you know, minimizing that as much as possible is the best yep. bet. Yeah, definitely. And I think the next thing to bring up is um, beyond sleep medications. And, and really the thing to point out is these sleep medications, like the PMs, the doxylamine, the sleep aids, they're all based on old antihistamines. Mm-hmm. So we all are pretty familiar with Benadryl mm-hmm. or diphenhydramine is the generic name in that drug. Um, or clotrimeton is another one I've come across multiple times. Mm-hmm. But basically what these are is they're all old antihistamines. They're created in like the 1950s and 1960s. And it was really what we had for a long time to help with allergies. Mm-hmm. But we found that it also made people sleepy. Well, gotcha. that could be beneficial. Some people started using them for anxiety because it makes them sleepy. Different things like that. Mm-hmm. But they all fall underneath the category of allergy medicines. Okay. So let's talk about allergies just for a second. Great. If you have allergies and it's confined to the nose, um, I would try and avoid these medications altogether and... Nasal sprays, which are also available over the counter, mm-hmm. are a much safer option. Okay. Again, I'm not saying this is right for everyone. Right. But that is a much safer option. If it's, you know, you have itching or symptoms that are much, that, that aren't confined just to the nose, um, that are allergic in nature, safer medication would be the second generation antihistamine. So things are like, these things are like Zyrtec, Allegra, Claritin. You don't have to buy the brand name, mm-hmm. buy the cheaper stuff that's right next to it. But these medications have been shown not to cross the blood brain barrier. Okay. And so they don't have the same level of confusion, sleepiness, things like that associated with them. Okay. But can provide the same kind of relief for allergies, even like animal allergies or, you know, the normal seasonal allergies. They're much safer than using Benadryl. And they last for a lot longer. Like you only have to dose it once a day instead of multiple times per day for Benadryl. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So really, in general, we advise people, save Benadryl for you're allergic to shellfish and for some reason you ate shellfish and now you're swelling up and you're going to have to take Benadryl and go to the hospital. (laughs) So this is a very bad situation where you would use Benadryl Benadryl or something like that. Okay. So nasal allergy symptoms, best to use a nasal spray if possible. Um, And my understanding of those is that it does take a little bit of time in order to experience effect from that. Yep, it does. So So don't give up if it's been one day and you still have your sniffles. (laughs) It depends on a couple different things. Um, So the nasal sprays that are out there now, so the most common ones that have been out for a long time are like Flonase and like the corticosteroid nasal sprays. Mm -hmm. They do take a couple days to get to full effect. Mm -hmm. But there's a new one that just got approved called Azelastine or Mm -hmm. Astelin. And Mm -hmm. so these ones are now over the counter and they're they're direct antihistamine uh, very similar to Benadryl but because we apply it topically to the nose Mm -hmm. um, it confines the side effects to 
Just the nose. Gotcha. So you might get a dry nose, but at least right. you're not having confusion and all the other things that we talked about before. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. So that's that's the only advantage that we really meant recommend for the nasal sprays is when you apply something topically, you're only affecting the area that really you've applied it to. Right. You're not putting, but when you take a pill in your mouth, yep. it goes everywhere in your body. And right. that's why we can't confine the side effects to just one part of the body. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And then just to add this on, cause it falls underneath the same category. So yeah. anti-nausea medications would be like, um, meclizine or dramamine, which people take often if they're going to go on a boat mm-hmm. or they're riding mm-hmm. in a car or something like that and they get car sick. We don't really have good alternatives to those. They they are just like the other ones. They're just old antihistamines. Right. But we don't really have alternatives. So what we recommend to people is if you need it because you're going to go on a boat trip or something like that, try and take the lowest dose. You don't need to take it days before and days after. Um, just try and take it for the shortest duration that you will actually need it mm-hmm. uh, just to get through that phase. Gotcha. If you find that you are still having to take it for a long period after that, it probably is a sign of a bigger medical thing that needs to be evaluated by by a provider. That makes sense. You know, I certainly have heard of, you know, lots of things people do in order to keep things at bay. But, um, you know, there are some of those like C-bands and things mm-hmm. like that you can try that use yep. acupressure points yeah. that some people experience relief from. But it makes total sense to try to, uh, you know, limit your dosing of, of some of those medications because of the concerns. With yeah, medication. and... I will say that in our clinic, like beyond what we're talking about right here, our mm-hmm. goal is always the lowest effective dose of every medication. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. that means we have to increase the dose of a medicine. But for a lot of medicines, it means we can decrease the dose. And if the lowest effective dose is zero, then we can stop it. Mm-hmm. And that's always our goal. And so beyond just our discussion here, which it applies here, that's kind of how we look at everything. And I think it's a safe approach for everyone. That makes sense. And, you know, certainly anyone can be uh, susceptible to some of these side effects or concerns with um, cognition when they're taking these three types mm-hmm. of medications, the anti-nausea, the um, antihistamine medications and, and whatnot. And so we want to be mindful of that. But then certainly, you know, for anybody who is an older adult, which may even include people in the 65 and up range, even if they feel, you know, particularly vibrant and mm-hmm. still doing quite well, which is our hope for everybody. So it's always a best practice. If you are considering taking a medication um, over the counter to still consult your primary care provider, you know, is this a good option for me? Do I have any reasons I shouldn't be taking this medication and involve your whole your whole care team in that process just to be safe? Yeah, you're exactly right there. That's great. Any other points that you can think of that might be important for individuals to know when they're considering some of these over the counter medications? Um <clears throat> I mean, I will say like we've badmouthed them all along. Yeah. There are some times that you have to take one of these right. medications. And so <laughs> follow what your provider tells you to do. But by and large, there's almost always an alternative that we can come up with that would be safer. So it's appropriate to ask your provider, should I still be taking this? Can we change it um, if you are on one of these medications? I think one more thing I'd like to mention, though, is because we're in the realm of over-the-counter medications right yeah. now, I think it asked, what about the supplements that are available right. for over-the-counter use? Mm-hmm. Um trying to think of a nice way to say this but essentially none of them have evidence for benefit okay and so don't feel like you're missing out on something because this product costs a hundred dollars a month or something like that and Mm -hmm. you can't afford it it Mm -hmm. probably doesn't work anyway Mm -hmm. um the supplements 
industry for brain health mm-hmm. is one of the biggest in the United States. Mm-hmm. It brought in in 2019 something like $4 billion. Oh, wow. So and obviously a concern for people, and people are hoping to do anything they can to improve their brain health. Yeah, so there's a lot of advertising. There's a lot of money that other people are making off this. But when you look at did it help people, there hasn't been any evidence that's shown that these things help people. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell people is if you want to try it, Almost all of these, they're just vitamins. They're probably not going to hurt you. But, and because they're over the counter, I'm, I don't feel like I'm giving advice like you should try them or, mm-hmm, or anything mm-hmm. like that. But they're available. People are going to find them. If you don't see any benefit within a month, go ahead and stop it. And almost nobody sees any benefit at all. And so don't feel guilty if you stop them. It's, um, it's really because we don't have many medications that are good that are prescribed to help treat these disease states that this whole industry of over-the-counter products has sprung up and it's because it's trying to fill a void. So that makes sense. You know, I, th- I think everyone's sort of desperate and you yep. know, in order to protect their brain health as they're aging and, and, you know, any of these promises and claims from these companies are very compelling at they times. Are. And, and um, yeah, so it's definitely a, a good reminder for us to be thoughtful about what we're putting into our bodies and, and trying to find things that actually have demonstrated proven effect. Yep. That's exactly right. That's yeah. great. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah. on, Jeremy. It was so lovely to chat with you about this and we appreciate the work you're doing with individuals, helping them limit the medication use that they're, um, the limit the medications that they're taking and, and also just um, ensure that the medications they are taking are beneficial. It's such important work. So we appreciate you. And if anybody um, would like more information, they can always contact us at sawellness at stalfonsis.org or contact the St. Alphonsus Memory Center Brain Health Program. If you or a loved one may be interested in enrolling in the brain health program and having a consultation with the provider, a pharmacist, and and the other members of the team, um, we appreciate you and hope you found this helpful. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Alphonsus Wellcast, brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing and the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Always be sure to catch new episodes by subscribing to us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. We hope you'll tune in again. Until then, be well.